Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to La Jolla Community Church. So glad you're with us. If you're able, would you stand as we begin our time of worship through song? And happy new year to each of you. Great to see you. voice is saying, Lord, I need you, oh, I need every hour I need you, you're my one defense, my right. 
righteousness, oh God, how I need you. My one defense, my one defense, my righteousness, oh God, how I need you. Oh 
Happy New Year. Welcome to LJCC. So glad you're here. Would you turn now and greet the community around you and students? You're on your way to follow them gentlemen's over there. Hi, Mark. Nice to see you. Crystal, hi. Good morning, good morning. Welcome to La Jolla Community Church. My name's Ian O'Mara. How's 2019 doing for everybody? All right, some of us are enjoying it. Who, who's wishing for 2018 to come back? <laughs> no, no one is. Well, welcome. My name's Ian O'Mara. I'm the director of Community Life here. And if you have your bulletins, go ahead and pull those out. If you flip to the inside cover, you'll see our prayer and connection card. One of our values here is we're rooted in prayer. So take, we're going to take time every service to fill those out, even if it's just you throw your first and last name on there, or you just mark one of those prayer requests, or you have a detailed prayer request you want to write there, please take that time. So if you reach in the seat back in front of you, you'll find the pen, and we're going to take the next 10 to 15 seconds to fill those out. Thank you for taking that time. It's such an honor and privilege to get together every week and pray over these prayer requests. And as you finish writing, there's no prayer request too big. There's none too small. We want to pray for you. If you haven't taken that time to fill it out and something comes to you, just throw it on there. The ushers will be coming by in just a moment. These prayer cards just fold right out of your bulletins. You can put those right into the offering plate. But I want to take a moment and celebrate what has happened here in 2018. Will you celebrate with me for a moment? You have no choice because I have the microphone. <laughs> but there's some amazing things happened here. We're gonna, there's some pictures going to flip through, but I'm going to highlight some of this stuff. We've had some amazing men's and women's events take place on this campus. We had uh, over 2,000 people come to this campus through our outreach events at Easter and in the fall. Over 180 people are actively in life groups this last, this last semester. And we're starting some new ones coming up here in the new year. We started a women's professional group that's meeting just this week. We, start, uh, we started a college group where over 25 kids are coming and young adults are coming and they're experiencing discipleship right here every Saturday. We have new groups starting at the end of the month. We had over 600 people, 600 people on our campus for Christmas Eve. What an amazing, you know, almost all 600 showed up for the first service, but it was still fantastic. People were pouring out, and they were coming to celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior. And the, the, the culmination of it all was last Sunday, where we got to sit around tables, over 200 people, sitting out there, sharing a meal, celebrating and reflecting on what God has done last year in their lives. Isn't that an amazing opportunity? We truly are better together. When we get together as the body of Christ, we are better together. And to highlight that, I want to let you know about some stuff that's coming up. We have our life group launch, which is coming on the 27th, the end of this month. If you haven't been part of a life group, now's the opportunity. If you have questions, come see me after the service. I'll be right outside. If you're interested in starting or leading a life group, come see me. Any questions about life group or anything, come see me right after the service. I'll be right outside. And also today, 
we're kicking off our financial class, More Than Money Matters. There's still time to be a part of it. It's going to be right after this service in the Welcome Center. Come check it out. Just, just see what God's going to be speaking to you about. We're going to be around round tables. We're going to be discussing about finances, budgets, and all those things. It's a great place to ask those questions you haven't had a chance to ask or to share that wisdom that you've gained through the years. So that's going to be after this service right over there. This brings us to a time of tithes and offerings. It's just, there's just so much going on around here, so much excitement, so many things to celebrate, so many things to reflect on. This is a moment that we get to reflect and, and celebrate what God has done in our lives, the, get, the blessings he's given us. As the ushers come forward, just, just this is our, our opportunity where the members, we just celebrate what God has done in our lives. We get to bless others because we've been blessed. What an amazing opportunity. So let us pray. Lord, we just thank you so much for all you've done in this last year and you're doing in this year. Lord, let us continue our worship by giving back to you what you've given to us. Lord, we just thank you so much for the impact you've had in our lives and the impact you're drawing us to have. We just ask this all in your holy and precious name. Amen. Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. arms are open wide. Forgiveness is bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Leave behind your regrets and mistakes. Come today, there's no is calling. Bring your sorrows and trade them for joy. From the ashes a new life is born. Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are Isn't he wonderful? Sing hallelujah. Christ is risen. Come bow down before him. For he is. 
Well, good morning to you. Happy New Year, officially, and our first uh, New Year worship service together. Uh, we're starting a new series called Connecting with God this month. Uh, because it's a new year, it's a great opportunity, great reason to say, let's, let's touch base and figure out who, where we are, who we are, and as we launch into the new year. So today we're going to talk about effective uh, prayer. Next week we're going to talk about inspired Bible study. The week after we'll talk about mindful meditation uh, on the Word of God. We're also going to talk a little bit about uh, spiritual influences on that day, uh, things that can actually um, undermine our spiritual well-being. Uh, not all spiritual powers are good uh, or are welcome. Uh, then on uh, the final month, uh, Sunday of the month, we're going to talk about creative work. Through our work, we can connect with God and His work in the world and uh, what strengthens our relationship with Him. In February then, having talked about connecting with God through these four major pathways, uh, we'll launch into a series on connecting in community. Uh, so we're doing a stair-step building as we move into that, ultimately into that season we call Lent and preparation for Easter. Uh, so today we're talking about effective prayer, and because we're talking about effective prayer, let me pray for us uh, as we launch in. So Lord Jesus, we pray that through your power and your presence here, you clear every demonic uh, and, and otherwise evil influence from this room that you would uh, drive from this place anything that does not uh, glorify you and honor you, that you would open our hearts and our minds uh, so that we can see uh, either uh, blocks uh, or barriers within us as we hear your word and as you desire to set us free, free through your Holy Spirit. We pray, Lord, that through the music sung, the prayers prayed, the words spoken, uh, the worship offered up to you, that you would uh, cleanse us of all unrighteousness, set us right with you. Uh, I pray that even those, Lord, here today who don't believe in you would be moved to open their hearts and minds to you. Uh, that those who are feeling beaten down would be lifted up. For those who are feeling hard-hearted, their hearts would become tender. For those who are feeling light-hearted, uh, they would have a deep sense of your abiding presence would, that would make them yearn uh, for a deeper walk with you. So that's our prayer in Jesus' name. 
on them. Let me start with uh, Colossians chapter 4. Paul is imprisoned and he is writing to a a group of Christians in a small town called Colossae. We'd call it uh, modern day Turkey. And he says, uh, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Uh, This is a great reminder as to what we are to do in prayer. When he says, devote yourselves to prayer. Uh, this sounds like a, a very um, negative thing for lots of believers. And I'll tell you why. Not that most believers don't believe in prayer. It's that we're so tired of praying the same old things about the same old things. And so there's a built-in discouragement factor in the way most of us pray. That when somebody says, devote yourself to prayer or pray without ceasing, you think, dear God, has it come to that? You know, what a grudge, what a mindless exercise in me repeating the same worn out phrases and words over and over again uh, to God. And it reinforces his sense that prayer is absolutely essential and orthodox and, and normative and impossible. And so if you're sitting here today thinking, I am the world's worst prayer, you're among friends. If you're feeling like your prayers need a, a shot uh, to reanimate them, uh, to reinvigorate them, to realign them, you're in the right place because this is probably the bane of Western uh, churches. We are so uncomfortable with the idea of prayer that we've turned it into a very cursory, superficial exercise that does not motivate anybody uh, to want to pray with devotion. Am I on the same page as you today on this at all? Uh, Is this resonating with you? Okay, so he says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Probably if we can just start there and say, if you start watching what's going on in you, you're going to have a lot more content for prayer. Dear Lord, I am so furious with you today. Now that might sound like a very offensive, impertinent prayer until you open the book of Psalms. Uh, I want to direct you without turning to it to Psalm 88. You can read it later. It's the most depressing negative Psalm ever written. And it's written by a guy whose name is awesome. His name is H-E-M-A-N. How would you pronounce that? I'm a he-man. Let's see, who here? It's he-man. He was uh, he-man, the Ezraite. Uh, Ezraite means he's of the tribe of Ezra, of the people of Ezra. He's, uh, but (laughs) let's just summarize it. I'm a he-man. What he is is a godly man who's going through a really ungodly time. And his psalm is the most woeful, heartbreaking psalm ever written. It's the low point. It's the death valley only deeper. It's, it's the, the most barren wilderness psalm you can imagine because he says, Lord, he starts off beautifully, Lord, my Savior, you have ruined my life. You've thrown me in a pit. You've forgotten me. You haven't rescued me. You've driven all my friends away. I have no friends. I have, I have no one. I'm miserable. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. No, he doesn't end like that because it's an Old Testament passage. So what's going on with him? He's being watchful. He's being humble and honest. Lord, I never imagined my life could be this bad. If you're ever having a bad day, read Psalm 88 and you'll be feeling like, yeah, life is looking good for me, you know. Uh, But the fact is that we are to be watchful. We watch, Lord, I am so excited right now. Lord, I am so filled with hope right now. Lord, I am so filled with dread right now. Lord, uh, and so the idea of watching is paying attention. 
Have you ever scripted a conversation with anybody you're friends with? No. Nobody's ever scripted a conversation. You show up and start talking. Or if you're smart, you show up and start listening. And out of that listening, what happens? By the time you're done having a conversation with a friend, you've been laughing and giggling about something silly. You've gone into some deep stuff, talking about things that really matter to you. You've covered people, you've covered events, and you've covered big ideas, probably. It's a great conversation. And at the end of that, you could probably say, I think I know how I can pray for you. If you've been listening, you'd be able to say, I think I, think I know how to pray for you. Is this right? I'm, I'm not sure, but I, I thought I heard you say this, and I think this is probably something I should be praying about for you. And the person would look a little surprised and say, well, yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Watchful, aware, engaged, present. Those are the kinds of things that Paul's saying, be those. And you won't have enough time to pray for all the things that you're experiencing and seeing, observing, concerned with. And of course, what that does, when we're watchful, we ultimately become thankful because it's so miserable. Uh, and, you know, really at the end of He-Man, the Ezra Heights prayer, what he can say is, thank God you're here. There's nobody else here for me to even complain to. And of course, he says, uh, pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message uh, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. So in, in a beautiful way, Paul is concerned about helping them pray more effectively. Even as he is wrestling with this message, it's a, it's a mystery wrapped in an enigma. How do I tell people about the, the glorious uh, emancipation that Christ has given to us while I'm sitting here in chains? I sound like I'm a fool. So Lord, uh, you know, help me to tell the story. And you people in Colossae, please pray for me so I can tell this story uh, that otherwise makes no sense to the people who have enslaved me or imprisoned me. So do you see the power here of prayer? It also allows us to be really who we are. Truly how we are. Because all behavior is meaningful. The fact that we don't pray without ceasing and we don't pray with deep devotion says we've given up on prayer. Maybe because we don't know how to articulate it or because we feel hypocritical saying the same old things about the same old things. So where we're going today is to talk about what does effective prayer look like. Uh, effective means producing a desired result, being alert, vigilant, engaged, alive, responsive, expectant, focused, practical, and useful. Like any good conversation you'd have with a friend. There's no agenda other than to be together and to see what comes up. Or if there's something you really want to talk about, you talk about that, but you end up talking about a bunch of stuff around it. It's a full court press uh, encounter. Uh, there's a place just off State Street in Santa Barbara called uh, Santa Barbara Forge and Iron. I hope you get to go there sometime. If you're driving in, in Santa Barbara, um, just look it up on your phone and two blocks off of State Street. And there's, there's guys that you think, they don't make guys this fit and this handsome uh, uh, anymore. And these young guys uh, all have these, you know, Master of Fine Arts degrees after their name. But it's in this dirty, messy, dangerous, you step on stuff, get burned by stuff, iron and forge place where they make the most beautiful iron stuff you can imagine, whether it's a fence or they made this thing that was a, it was a surround for a, a uh, 100,000 year old fish that was in somebody's zillion dollar home winery in LA. So you go in there and all these guys have the hats and you know, and sometimes you walk up to somebody and say, excuse me, the hat will fly back and all this long blonde hair and she will say, yeah, what can I do for you? What they're doing effectively is forging materials into something useful and beautiful. This is what God wants for us. He wants to forge our souls, ignite our spirits, shape our characters, 
for effective prayer. It will not feel forced, but it will be effective. Do you want that? Otherwise, you're going to fall into a minister's voice. And so, dear God, we pray that, you know, it's just going to sound fake. It's going to be weird. You're not going to know how to pray for people. You're going to be worried about the words you're going to say versus the fact that you're in the presence of God with a real concern for somebody you care about. And so we want to pray effectively that would produce a desired result because we're alert, vigilant, engaged, alive, responsive, etc. So the, the first thing to understand then is that God communicates with us. All of this is initiated by God. Prayer is not God initiating to us uh, responding to our initiative it's us responding to his initiative and god wants to load us with so much content for prayer that this conversation comes from us naturally oh lord another thing i can't believe what i did while you were there you saw what i did now what do i do about what i did and you have these wonderful conversations with god and when you join with other people you say okay let's continue the conversation with the lord and it feels unforced that if somebody says something or two people say it at the same time you just you move on God communicates with us, which gives us the capacity to communicate with him. And so your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path, says Psalm 119, 105. If there's any doubt about where your best content for prayer comes from, go to the word of God. The best content for prayer comes out of the word of God. That's why in those read, think, praise that I send out, I always say, hey, pray through that passage. And all it means is you read it through and say, Lord, that's me. Oh, yeah, that's me. Oh, my gosh. That's, yeah. Or, Lord, wow, that's the right way of saying that, what the psalmist said, because that's me, too. We start to articulate the word of God as we engage it to the things that we're dealing with in our life. If you read through the, the Psalms, for example, every day, you, you know, take your 150 days and you start doing it all over again. So if you want to have one uh, incubator and jump starter for your prayer life, start reading the Psalms, one Psalm a day in a loop of 150 and keep doing it. When you get to Psalm 88, go, do it, do it. I'm so bummed out for you. Um, and you start praying for He-Man to Ezraite probably. Uh, and, or you might start praying like him because you're so free now to say, Lord, I've done it again. I'm in the biggest pit. It's all my fault. But the word of God is the lamp that guides us and, and sets us up to respond to God. It's his initiating to communicate with us. And so our Heavenly Father, our Abba, our Daddy, loves us so much that he sends us messages via scripture primarily, but also through conversations, impressions, dreams, signs, prophetic utterances, visions, trances, angelical appearances, and in prayer. Does that sound kind of odd to you? If you've read the Bible, this sounds normal to you. A trance? Are you kidding me? Who has trances? Well, I, was at, I did go to traffic school once, and I did have a trance. You know, I just kind of zoned out for, you know. Um, Peter is on a roof on a beautiful day looking out at the Mediterranean Ocean, thinking about this whole crazy thing about Jesus and the resurrection and what he's now doing in this new season of his life, when all of a sudden he goes into a trance-like state. And in this trance-like state, he imagines that God has lowered a sheet. And on this sheet are all kinds of things that by, by the Old Testament law, he's prohibited from eating. And he hears God say to him, go ahead and eat. And in this trance-like state, he responds to the voice of God and says, I would never eat that stuff. It's unclean. To which God says to him in the trance-like state on the roof, don't call unclean what I call clean. Eat it. A trance. In this case, it was against the word of God. But because he had come to understand the voice of God, he knew that this was a new way of understanding God's law. It wasn't a violation anymore. 
is God is saying, Peter, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm setting you up for the next thing. And by the way, there's somebody coming in the downstairs waiting, waiting to talk to you, a Roman guy who wants to know Jesus. And instead of being offended that this Gentile is going to come into this uh, Jewish home, I want you to be prepared to embrace him as your new brother in Christ. Right? That's the message that he's being sent out. Uh, have you had a vision, a dream? Have you had any spiritual things that would prompt you to say, I wonder if that was God speaking to me? Uh, are you listening enough to even get that far? And if you are, do you ask the question, well, Lord, how do I know if it's God talking to me? It's a very good primary question to ask. We're going to go deeper into this uh, as we get into biblical meditation because meditation, mindful meditation, is not a new thing. It's, it's core to the, to the experience of God's people in Israel and God's people in Christ. Meditation can also be a pathway and a portal for spiritual influences that would, that would disturb and disrupt and imprison you, uh, as other things could be. So it's always wise to say, how do I know this is God talking to me? Uh, <clears throat> years ago, I read this book. I saw a book, Conversations with God. I thought, oh, that's neat, by a guy named Neil Walsh, this Australian guy. I picked it up. I started reading it. I thought, oh, my gosh, this is false advertising. This is a perversion of, of, of the idea of having a conversation with God. Because everything I read was a, a twist of the word of God. And I thought, this is just so wrong at every level because he's saying, he, he presents himself as an Orthodox Christian and everything he's saying controverts the word of God. And also a number of years ago, I was with some friends up in their Chi-Chi house up in the Hollywood Hills, you know, great view and everything. And they said, oh my gosh, um, I gotta show you this book. And they pull it off and says, A Course in Miracles. By this lady, Marianne, something, yeah, we've been going to this Bible study she's doing with all these cool people in Hollywood. And I said, oh, really? And so I started reading through it. I said, oh, my gosh, this sounds really compelling. I said, it's really phenomenally compelling and totally false. This is not a book of miracles. This is a book of misrepresentations. She's like, what? What are you talking about? Well, I said, look, you're, Claudia, you're on the, you're on the, the California um, um, board uh, for all attorneys in California, right? You're on the... You're a board member for the California Legal Board. You understand evidence, right? I said, yeah. This, all the evidence here points in the wrong direction. This is taking what looks like scripture and misapplying it or twisting it or inverting it to where now you're the center of the story, not, not the Lewis M. Miller. He's here to do your bidding. If you just know how to manipulate him with a certain words and phrases. And, and so all of a sudden I'm thinking, unbelievable. This is not God speaking whatsoever. So here's the dilemma for us. Not every message is from God, but we don't want to discount the messages that are from God. How do we avoid that? Well, God's revealed word, the Bible, is our standard for testing messages. That means if you don't read the Bible, you'll have no protection or capacity to protect the messages. I don't want to go to the doctor and having them examine me go, my feeling on this, like, I don't really care how you feel about this. What did the test say? Oh, don't read the test. The test can be wrong. I, I'm looking at you. I think you don't have a Bible. Like, all right, well, on what basis? I just don't get it. If you're on a, in a plane and lights start going like this and, and buzzers start going off and you turn to the pilot and you're a small plane, two of you and only he knows how to fly it, and you say, hey, should we be concerned about this? Yeah, technology, you know how it goes. I feel good about this plane. Okay, I'm glad you feel good about the plane. Right now, I'm not feeling so good about the plane. It's very noisy and disturbing with the lights and sounds in the plane. And as the plane is losing altitude, I'm wondering, is this intentional? See, so the idea is we want something that is objective. 
that we can say, is this the word of God? Because if we don't have content internalized, having read it and studied it, not just the big ideas, but the nuances of those big ideas, we have no way of making sense other than, I feel good about it. Right now, our culture is filled with people who feel good about a lot of things that the Bible says, beware, beware, beware. This will kill you. This will enslave you. This will unhinge you. This is, this is offensive to God and destructive for you. Yeah, but I feel so good about it. Right. That's the problem. Until you know how to think clearly, you can feel anything. And so we want to be able to be thoughtful about the word of God and through scripture study and then listening prayer based on the word of God, discern God's voice and new messages. There will be new messages for you. God customizes his work in your life by giving you personal messages. If you're not equipped to interpret those, you'll either miss them entirely or you'll misconstrue them uh, or you'll take messages that really aren't from him and assume they're from him. And so wise counsel is very important to help us discern God's voice. Uh, here's some discernment questions. Does this affirm the Bible? Does it confirm reality? Does it reveal truth or obscure truth? Is it a conviction prompting faith? Is it information, confirmation, command? Is it a word of encouragement or a word of warning? Joseph has a dream. Get, Joseph, get Mary and Jesus and go to Egypt. Oh, I don't know if I have enough Marriott points for that. You know, it's like, get out of town. Go do that. Uh, based on what I understand, what should I do? Stop, wait, continue, change direction. That could be repentance or just a strategic change. Make a decision, delay a decision. Take action, pray. These are the kind of questions we ask. These are the kind of questions you have with, with your, your, your spouse or your kids. Hey, I want to do this. All right, well, what's the best time to do that? What's the best way to do that? Uh, can we do that? Can we afford to do that? Et cetera, et cetera. You process. God wants us to be wise in processing. And, and part of hearing his voice that he is initiating is to be able to process with him what's up. Because we might not know the urgency that we need to feel unless we've been processing with him. So that brings us to this idea that God has not communicated just for the sake of it, but to draw us into communion with him, a deep, personal, intimate relationship with him. It's not enough to know about God. It's, it's that he's created us to know him and be known by him. So God invites us to commune with him, having given us content to help us understand what that looks like. And so we see in Philippians, Paul writes to these people in Philippi, northern Greece. He says, the Lord is near. It's a very tender, tender thing he says to them. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, the shalom of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's a beautifully poignant, tender passage. It's an invitation to come close to the God who has drawn close to you. It's not, I hope you can find God, and if you do, maybe you can pry this out of him. No, the Lord is near, and he's waiting for you to respond, to commune with him. Okay, but I'm not sure how to pray. Do you ever ask that question? I hope you do. Okay, but I'm not sure how to pray. Jesus' disciples said this. True blue Jews who'd grown up from the earliest memory uh, sang the prayers of, of the Psalms and learning the prayers of the people. All those beautiful prayers. Um, 
that, that come out of the, the liturgy of the temple. Uh, and yet they finally came to a place where they said, you know what, these are becoming just so much wallpaper for us. Jesus, teach us to pray. And then Jesus said, okay. And he, he taught what we know as the Lord's Prayer, which we then have, in turn have turned into wallpaper. You know, uh, we, 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 we say it and it becomes a mindless thing that we say. So how do I pray that I can break out of the same old things about the same old things? Well, a very, very basic response I would give anybody is this. Pray simply, pray sincerely, pray specifically. Simple language, simply describing what you're, what you're feeling, what you're thinking, your, your, your attitude. Lord, I, I thank you. God, you're so great. You're so loving, so kind. Uh, here's my situation. Here's why I'm here to, to, to seek your guidance, etc. So simply, sincerely, specifically. And, and, and so here's some things. Be present to God. Be, be, be willing to reflect on who he is. Lord, I'm, 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 I'm going to be so annoyed that you are God. And you are the awesome God who made my things. Again, in that rethink, pray that we send out each week. It guides you through. At the very end, it says pray. Sometimes I'll just say, pray through those scriptures. And all you're doing is you're reflecting on those words and using them as your prayer. Uh, express gratitude. Lord, thank you for who you are and that I can come into your presence. Name fears or doubts or feelings. Lord, I'm really disturbed about this. I don't know where to turn. I, I, I've just made such a bad decision or something horrible is happening to me or this person I love dearly is going through something so bad I don't know what to do. Uh, confess sin. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And having confessed our sin, then we can receive forgiveness. We, we can request correction and direction. Lord, I keep doing the same thing. Where can I turn? Who can I go to to help me break out of this spin cycle I'm in? Or Lord, is, if this is your will, would you confirm it? Because I think I'm supposed to do this, but I'm not sure. I don't want to get it wrong. And finally, we commit to trusting and obeying him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him. And he will guide your path. So this becomes this ongoing conversation of communion with our dearest, deepest friend. That, that in a wonderful way shapes our relationship with other people. We tend to become much more vulnerable, more revealing, more open, uh, more available to other people the more we do this with the Lord. We start to learn a vocabulary of owning and naming who we are, where we are, what we want, what we need. It's okay to say, this is what I want. It's okay to say, this is what I need. It's okay to express your hopes, your fears. All of that is okay. Uh, you're invited to by the ones who love you. In, in people's version or the Lord himself. And, and, and so, uh, like I said earlier, if you pray through the Psalms, you've got a, a ready-made prayer book that will guide you in all the other prayers you pray. And if you want to literally quote the scripture, the Lord's my light, my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Who shall I dread? We turn these into songs sometimes. And then out of this comes this then a, a very much more comfortable way of praying because having internalized the word of God, you do just start praying spontaneously. And people say, gosh, where did you learn how to pray like that? Well, it's just from praying. Praying is how you learn how to pray. So the, the third point then is this. If, if God is, is uh, communicating with us, inviting us into a, a deep communion with him, then he gives us this privilege to uh, receive prayer and pray on behalf of others, just like he already prays for us. So we see in Romans, Paul says, Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, 
is at the right hand of God and also interceding for us. That word interceding just means he's praying for us. Uh, when I was a new Christian, I had no idea what this word interceding or intercession meant. I'd never heard it. And uh, I had been a Christian about a year, and we were praying constantly about all kinds of things. I was reading the Bible, and some of the prayers we were praying God's word back in. And I was in this meeting with this guy. It turns out he's the head of this thing. I didn't know anything about it. But he's the head of this thing called Youth of the Mission. And he says, uh, so how do, you, how, do you, you know, how do you feel about intercessory prayer? I'm like, sounds medical. You know, what, what do you, intercessory prayer? And, and he goes on, he said, yeah, intercessory prayer. I said, I, I had no idea what he was talking about. He said, I don't know, I'll have to think about it. And then as soon as, I, as soon as I saw my mentor, I said, hey, how come you never told me about intercessory prayer? He goes, what do you mean? Tell you about it, you've been doing it. I said, when? He said, intercessory just means you pray, you ask for stuff. You, you, you intercede on behalf of others. I said, oh, why didn't you tell me the term? So I went back to the guy from Youth of the Mission. I said, yeah, I've been thinking about intercessory prayer. And uh, love it, love it, all for it, you know. Jesus intercedes for us. There's nothing mysterious about it other than the fact that God somehow thinks it's important to pray for us. The word isn't mysterious, so is the concept. But he is praying for you. And so again, the writer of Hebrews says, therefore he, Jesus, is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Again, it's the initiative of God that allows us to initiate prayer and receive prayer. And so we can pray for each other to be healed. This is James 5.16. Again, we don't have to pray with qualifiers or we don't have to apologize that we pray for people's healing and they're not healed. We trust that God will answer prayers in his own way and in his own time. Ultimately, death is a healing. That's not a very comforting thing to say to somebody who's freaking out about a possible death scenario. But sometimes the best thing we can do is to pray for somebody to have a good passing. Instead of pretending that this 98-year-old person is going to jump off the bed, uh, we can say, look, you've been suffering. Uh, God's allowed you to live this long. I'm not here to hasten your death, but can I pray that you would have a good passing? I pray that any unfinished business would be finished, that anything that you want to, to pour out to God on behalf of others as you intercede for them, that your last legacy would be to be praying for those who uh, you love dearly. Uh, you know, see just how powerful that is? That's a form of healing. It's okay to let go. You have a hanging on for them. It, it, you're right. It's okay to let go. They're ready for that, as, they, as ready as they'll ever be. And so we don't have to apologize. I pray for people who've had miraculous healings. But it's so uh, seldom that that happens. Uh, and, and I always have to tell people, look, I don't, don't credit me. I prayed. You had a miraculous healing. The doctors, you know, uh, uh, validated it. But that's to God be the glory, you know. We, we're all going to die anyway. So why don't we live anyway and, and pray with abandon. Uh, you can pray without authorization for anybody. Your, your, your atheistic friends will not ask you to pray for them, but just because you love them, go ahead and do it anyway. Let them try to stop you. <laughs> so we pray for healing of all sorts. For my prayer for you, Paul says to the Philippians, is that you would have still more love that would motivate you to be the people God wants you to be. A love that is full of knowledge and every wise insight that you would recognize always the highest and the best. This process of growing up in Christ and being prayerful 
rooted and developed in, in effective care would set you up to be wise and discerning. Uh, one of our members uh, at one point was asked to be on, on, the, on the federal board and all those people that set the rates and all that kind of stuff. Um, I, I thought, man, you know, that person would have been phenomenal because they're so wise and discerning. Yeah, they're a professional economist, but they're, they're wise and discerning and they're, they're humble and unflappable. So you see, the real world impact of all this prayer is it sets us up to be able to respond with the gift that God has developed in us that we've also um, developed through our normal commitments and career paths and, and skill sets. So this is where prayer ultimately goes, but where the fullest expression of you emerges. Prayer then becomes an act of humility and honesty. It's not about me, it's about him, and I'll pray, and I'll tell you honestly, you could be healed or maybe not, but God's going to work one way or the other. We'll just trust that he'll, he'll do what he says he'll do. That is, he'll be with you and for you. The outcome is up to him. And so out of that, uh, we, we minister to others. Uh, a, year, a long time ago, a dear friend of mine in Christ uh, told me his prayer was, Lord, make me great. He goes, what do you think about this? I, I'm pr- my prayer this year is, Lord, make me great. I said, you know, it sounds painful. I don't know. It sounds like uh, you're setting yourself for a lot of disappointment. <laughs> but I said, you know, it's, 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 it's good as far as it goes. It just doesn't go far enough. I don't know about that. Well, so then a year later, he said to me, um, I've, I've, I've amended my prayer. It's now, Lord, make me a blessing. I was like, that's a way better prayer. Lord, make me great. Go for it. But really, Lord, make me a blessing is a powerful prayer. Uh, and that's a sign of humility and honesty. It sets us up to be available and open to pray. Otherwise, when we don't seek God in prayer, we limit his ministry to us. If you're not seeking him in prayer, you are inadvertently, unintentionally limiting his ministry to you. You're shutting yourself off from him. Why? Because, again, I said earlier, you can't hear what he's trying to tell you. You can't do what he's trying to warn you about or, or invite you to do. Likewise, when we don't pray for others, we limit Christ's ministry through us to them. I was talking to a friend not long ago, and he said, he said, yeah, I haven't been in church in a very long time. And somebody in the conversation said, do you think that's affected you in any way? He goes, no. I said, I can tell you how it's affected you. You don't know all the people that God would have used you to bless by not being here. He goes, hmm, yeah, maybe not. You don't know all the things that would have occurred to you, insights, promptings, reminders that you would have gotten from being among God's people. See, prayer becomes the very air that we breathe as the body of Christ. It becomes, not, it becomes almost inseparable from all the other conversations we have. Why are we praying without ceasing? Because we're constantly in communication with one another and God. And it's so prayerful. We don't even notice it didn't sound formal enough to qualify as a prayer. So you can pray in any place with anybody for any reason on any occasion. And I want to give you an example before I finish. Catherine and Carmen. Catherine McBee, some of you know, she graduated from high school last year. She's in college. Uh, when she was six years old, um, uh, one night, their, their once-a-week nanny was over, Carmen. And they had been talking as a family about this couple, two physicians coming out of a yoga class on uh, Monday night, up, uh, in, 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 in October evening, dark early. A 68-year-old lady runs a red light on North Dakota Pines Road, hits them both, kills the, the woman uh, immediately, uh, and just horribly uh, damages them. Uh, they've got a, a 14-year-old daughter at home. She's trying to escape from the sharks. <clears throat> the son's away at medical school uh, up at Stanford. Uh, the dad, 
Rogers and Leroy Hurd, his wife is dead. Uh, the hospital just lost two physicians, lost all their services. And the family's grieving this. And they're grieving the 68-year-old lady who, who was involved in the accident. So Carmen is there. Uh, and after dinner, the family usually prays. And Carmen, after a very long day, is going to go home. And, and Kathy says, no, 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 Carmen, don't go. Please stay with us as we pray for this family. She goes, honey, I really don't want to go. And, 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 and Kathy says, mom, Ann says, yeah, Carmen's having a very long day. She goes, Carmen, please, you have to go. Now, now her mom, Ann, has taught Catherine how to be fervent in prayer. And she's being sensitive to Carmen. But Carmen goes, okay, I'm going to stay. So they pray, pray, pray for things. And they pray for this, this man, that he can get back to his dad. And so um, Carmen leaves. And um, uh, the next day, she's also uh, a highly trained focusing on kidney issues, nephrology, I guess, is that right? So she goes into her, her ward, and there's a new patient there, face down in uh, incredible pain, and, and she starts talking to this patient, and he starts telling her this tale of woe about how he and his wife were crossing the street on the Lake Forest Vines, and his wife was killed, and, and, and so Carmen's going, he got it, he got it. And, and he said, yeah, and today's my birthday. Carmen said, well, last night, I was with a six-year-old girl and her family, and we prayed for you. We prayed that you'd be healed, you'd be whole, you'd get to go back home soon to be with your dad. And he just starts weeping and weeping and weeping. And, and he said, I can't believe it. Somebody I don't know would be praying for me. And the comfort, she could just hear in the midst of the tears, the comfort. And, 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 and she comforted him and, and, and was very tender with him. And uh, then the next day, he was discharged to the Hollywood Hills Hospital. She never saw him again. So it, you'd make a movie about this, but it's a powerful vignette. It's a powerful reminder that this is what effective prayer looks like. Uh, your little girl is prompted, rather than just be upset with this horrible story, let's pray. Let's pray some specific things for this man and his family. And, and, and who knew that Carmen was being prepared to be an emissary of God's grace, not just a little highly trained nurse at the hospital to say, I've heard your story, I've prayed for you, and you're going to get through this. And people care about how you're doing. And at his loneliest moment in the world, that man felt the comfort of Christ. Who knows what he believed or didn't believe about Christ. He was overwhelmed with it. So Lord Jesus, I pray for us that we could be those people prompted by you, prepared by you in your word, supported by your people to be prayerful in all things at all times in all ways on all occasions i pray lord that as we come to this communion table we'd be mindful deeply aware uh, that we are in complete dependence on you for every thing and um, for every situation and make us people of prayer uh, to deepen and develop us uh, to make us uh, ready to help other people uh, go deep and develop their faith as well so we pray these things in Jesus' name Thank you, Pastor Steve. This brings us to a time of communion. And this is a, this is a special communion because for most of us, this is the first communion we've taken of the year. And I want to invite the communion servers up at this time. That Jesus was in the, the upper room with his, with his disciples, and he knew the looming of what was coming, of going to the cross. And this is such a special time for us because we're, we're doing this in the reflection of Christmas Eve. Jesus came for this purpose, to rescue us from ourselves. 
And he's sitting there with his disciples, and he, he took the bread, and he broke it. And he said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In like fashion, he took the cup and said, this is the blood, this is the, the, the cup of the new covenant given in my blood for you. Over and over, he said, this is for us. He's saying it to his disciples, that us, if we call him our Lord and Savior, this is where he's saying, this is for us. And if you don't call Jesus your Lord and Savior, just sit and just reflect on this. Pray about what it means to call him your Lord and Savior. But I want to encourage this, is this first one of, the, of 2019, not to make this some rote religious thing where we just come up and we get the gluten-free matzah and we dip it in the grape juice and just thank you, Lord, and we've done our thing. But as Paul calls us in 1 Corinthians 11 to examine ourselves before we come to the Lord's table. And this is not a moment of shame to say, oh, what have I done wrong in 2018 or what have I done wrong all of this year? But it's a moment to examine ourselves and reflect, am I living a life worthy of the gospel of Christ? Am I living a life worthy of the sacrifice he has made? So as I pass out the elements, we'll have four stations. Take this time and reflect. This time to reflect and see what has God done in my life? What do I need to do in my life to live in worthiness of that gospel? So take these next few moments.
deep into this amazing love through effective prayer. Learn how to articulate what God has put in your heart, what messages he's giving you through his word, what needs you see around you, in you, and, and, and beyond you that, that deserve uh, being held up to the throne of grace by someone like you, for someone who needs it. And so take that step to start reading God's word. We'll talk more in depth about that next week, but as you read God's word, articulate that in prayer, you will become an effective prayer and a transformed person. And the world needs more of those. Wouldn't you agree? So now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon us all, both now and forevermore. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.